everyone. Welcome back to Living Beyond Sunday, the podcast where we talk about the everyday Christian life. My name is Jonathan Sams, and I'm back here with Pastor Mike. Yeah, excited to be back this uh, this week. Yeah, g- before we get in, we've got some listener questions today, but before we get in, Pastor Mike, uh, as we do this podcast, I'm sure some of you are still listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yeah, jump over to YouTube because we got a lot happening there. And then if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. It helps us in a lot of ways because we want to help produce content that's helpful for you. So when you subscribe, you get notifications when we produce content, and you can also be reminded to submit questions questions in at, at Pastor Mike at imageatl.com. Yeah, Because again, our goal, and uh, by the way, we've added a TV back here. Hopefully you've picked up on that for those of you watching. That's another incentive yeah. to watch. But Image do, ATL on YouTube. Yeah, Image ATL on YouTube. And, and uh, But we do want to help you live beyond Sunday. Like the heart of this podcast and in our hearts is we want to help equip the Christian to live everyday life uh, by talking about issues that are relevant and things that are uh, helpful as it relates to all that. So yeah, make sure to check that out. Make sure to like and subscribe. We want to be a part of the journey with you. Yeah, and it really helps us with the algorithm and continuing to, to bolster this content. In fact, we got listener questions today, right? We do have listener questions today. I love that we get questions to Pastor Mike at imageatl.com through the email. And today we got three listener questions. And so uh, just starting off number one, um, here it is. How do I go about finding the right church for me? Um, that's, that's the first question I'd like to dive into. And really this is kind of a, a testament to our podcast because we kind of started this podcast as really just focused on our church, but we've acquired listeners that are out there looking for a local church. And right. so I think it's awesome that you can speak to what should people think about as they're trying to find a good local church? Yeah. And it's a huge question really. And we were kind of joking before it's like, it's simple, but it's not, you know, cause there are some complexities that are there. Um, so I've just kind of hashed through a couple of them because um, you really could dive in the weeds on this in, in multiple ways, but I want to try to hit this at a high level to be helpful. Um, I think number one primary, you know, first thing is, um, does the church affirm the inerrancy of Scripture? Do they believe in God's Word? That is going to be the thing that's going to help shape everything else. So do they they affirm and believe in the uh, Word of God and take it at its face value, not like watering it down or, you know, whatever? Do, do they do that? Secondly, I would say the next important thing would be, do they preach the gospel? Because it's one thing to affirm the Bible, it's another thing to preach the gospel every week. Um, Gospel is a word, means good news, life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Are you pointed toward that week after week at this specific church? I think that's like, I know you've got other stuff you want to mention as well that's important, but I think that is something I'd love for you to expand on a little. Like, what's the example? Like, how does that... Me and you know how it happens here, but like for a listener that maybe has not listened to an image church sermon from Pastor Mike or been to image, what what is it functionally to know that they're preaching the gospel? Yeah, I mean, do you leave there uh, beholding Jesus, seeing him as better? Uh, do they walk away understanding that the the motivation, the means, the 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 method for that week is, Jesus, right? And walking out, not feeling like I got to do all this stuff, but Jesus has done it all for me. See, when you look at the Bible, the common thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation is Jesus. And so when when the Bible is preached, the gospel should be declared because everything in Scripture is going to point to that end, right? And so uh, it's important that people walk away understanding with clarity the way they're saved is through the finished work of Jesus, the way they're sanctified is through the finished work of Jesus, the way they're encouraged in everyday life is through the finished work of Jesus— then the question is, okay, how do we apply that? What does that look like? And I think that's the beauty of the art of preaching, is what are the implications and impact of the gospel message of Jesus? But if it doesn't stand at the center of the sermon or the center of the conclusion of the sermon where everything builds to that moment, um, I think that's a big mess. And so really those two categories, inerrancy of Scripture, you know, supremacy of the Word of God, and then the gospel preached every weekend are two really good bedrock places to be able to start. Because you could probably bet that things after they're going to flow um, in a similar, <clears throat> excuse me, in a similar vein. Yeah. Um, 
I would say after that, just to keep it high level, you got to figure out where you are convictionally on some secondary issues, um, like baptism and communion and, and those kind of things. Also, and we've done a podcast on this, like denominationally, like where, where do you stand? Do you care? Does it matter? Do you know about that? Um, th- those are some of the things you can go from there. But I really do, to keep it high level, think the most important things of what it means to find a local church is inerrancy of Scripture, gospel preach every week, um, are, are two very foundational rocks. And then, you know, can they disciple you? You know, what does community look like? Uh, you know, it, it, can you learn, grow, and and thrive there? And also, can you contribute there? It's not just what you can come and consume, but what you can come and give. So right. is there a place that you can serve there? And is there, are there ways that you can be served there? Um, yeah. So I think at, at its highest sense, right, again, we could do two hours of podcast probably and break down each little nook and cranny of this. Um, but I, I do think those are the best as far as high levels concerned. Yeah, as I was thinking about this question, I was thinking like, what are the things that immediately, if they weren't there, it would be a no-go? And I think inerrancy of scripture and gospel preaching are those like, if those aren't there, then you should not be at that church. Right. hundred percent. Like just walk away. And then after that, you got to figure out conviction where you are on those secondary right. issues, you right. know, baptism, communion, women, pastors, all that kind of stuff, denominational uh, affiliation, which impacts some of those other things as well. Um, those are things you got to find out where you stand on. For some people, those are like, where I'm not, that's a no, if they don't have X, Y, or Z, or they don't do this. Um, but I, I do think because those are secondary, um, th- those are things that you can work through. The first two are not, I yeah. would say. Yeah. And I think the first two are going to, if the first two are present, they a hundred percent will prevent you from falling into some, uh, I'd say like bad, low, bad churches out there. For example, if the gospel is preached, most likely that church is not preaching the prosperity gospel. That's right. Right. If they are holding to an inerrancy of scripture, most likely that church holds to a biblical worldview on human sexuality. That's right. Like all of these, those two, everything kind of flows from yeah, that. Right. They very much flow. And, from I think it's that. Really, and, and again, to, I'm glad you brought that up. My, my assumption is when we talk about the gospel preach every week is that that would mean that they also believe along with the, in, you know, inerrancy of scripture, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, that it's not a prosperity, that it's not a right, that it's, it's preached and it's a, correct context. And I think if you have both of those things, you know, supremacy and inerrancy of scripture, gospel preached every week, and, and gospel centrality in that church, there's a pretty surefire bet that the rest of that church is going to be probably biblically aligned for the most part. Yeah. Here's a here's another kind of follow-up question to this is, what are some things that maybe people often pick churches on that maybe they shouldn't, or that they should, or more prefer- preferential than they are actually these kind of primary things. Yeah, I think it could be challenging. There's a lot, man. I mean, there, there's a full gamut of what that could be. I mean, it could be from, you know, how engaging the kids ministry is to what kind of worship is to what the pastor looks like to how much they feel like they connect with the sermon, you know. And and the hard part is th- those things in some regard are important, right? If if cuz I think the follow-up kind of the third thing that I did mention is can they disciple you, right? right? And so I do think there's this element of like can can your family grow spiritually at this at this church? Assuming you have kids, like, does the kids ministry is it childcare? Or are they teaching the gospel back there? You know, um, it, it when when the pastor preaches, do you walk away confused and can, like don't don't really know what's going on? Um, because again, everybody's wired different. Every pastor's wired different, and he's going to connect with some people and not connect with other people because he's not God. And so you do have to, man. If you sit in there and you don't feel like that you're driven more toward Christ, then maybe that's not the place for you. And he may be preaching the gospel, but it might be like, you know. So <clears throat> I do think it's hard. I know we we knock preferences a lot. Um, those aren't necessarily preferences. It's more like clarity around, can they disciple my my family? Yeah, and I feel like the other thing that's implied with what we're saying is that looking for a church should be something that you're doing prayerfully, right? Yeah. That you're trusting the Holy Spirit to guide you. Um, and the two things you mentioned off the bat, inerrancy of Scripture and the Gospel, are definitely things that the Holy Spirit affirms um, through the Scriptures. And so I think that 
though not explicitly stated initially, it's an underpinning of you should be praying about that, praying for. And I think that to a certain extent, if those first two boxes are checked on inerrancy scripture in the gospel, then even if there's some tertiary things on preferences that aren't there, I would encourage you to attend at least three weeks in a row, three to four weeks in a row. Yeah, because you get to see the full scope of it all, right? You get yeah. to really kind of see, can this, because again, the third thing is, can this church disciple me? And then obviously, can I contribute? You know, right. I can put those together. But like those four weeks allow you to see that. If you just go one kind of one and done, I, I don't know how helpful that is. You know, yeah. it's, it's challenging. You might not have connected that week with the pastor's message. Also, that's a lot of pressure on him to like perfectly nail it for you specifically. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, the irony is, is, you know, when, when a sermon's preached, there's people that it's like, oh my gosh, it's the best one ever. And there's people like it's the worst one ever. And there's people in the middle, you know, yeah. uh, inevitably that can be a, a reality. And so I, I think given four weeks and going like, man, I really, I'm able to feed here and feast here and I'm able to give here. And that gives you the space to be able to do that. Yeah, that's good. Well, that brings us kind of to number two. Um, and that is how do I deal with fear or anxiety when it comes to thinking about serving in the local church? Um, we've talked about, uh, you can reference a previous podcast we did called don't or stop volunteering at church. And we talk about serving the local church, but this is a very specific question towards fear and anxiety. Right. Like how do we overcome whether it's maybe, um, a person who can play an instrument, but is kind of nervous to do so uh, in the church format, or maybe you're just nervous on the new experience. You've never done it before. So how can you um, overcome that fear and anxiety to serve? What, what would you say? Yeah, I think <clears throat> this is a very delicate one in a lot of ways. And so I want to try to handle it with grace as much as possible, but at the same time, kind of bring an element of truth. Um, I, I think, let me start with more of the truth end or the press end and then kind of, kind of work from there. But I, I, I feel like a lot of times, one of the reasons why anxiety and fear is high is because approval of man is also high. And so I do think there's a heart check to go, what is at the core of my fear and anxiety? Is it what people think about me? Is it, you know, what I, do I value other people's opinion too much? Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, if you've got a gift and that gift's been affirmed and, and you want to, you know, use that gift, if the thing that's holding you back is I'm, I'm afraid or anxious, uh, what does that say about, you know, ultimately what dictates, you know, your anxiety. Um, it, it says that more than likely it's it's people. And so I think um, it, being able to see that, you're able to reset and go, wait a minute, um, I'm not defined by what people think about me or how they view me or, or their thoughts about what I'm wearing. I'm defined as a son or daughter of the king. And so I want to lead not for identity, I'm leading from identity. So I'm able to stand up here as a leader because of who God's made me to be and the gifts God's given me. And I want to steward those gifts to that end. I don't want to be selfish with the gifts that God's given me. Now, that said, I know that's it's easier to say that than do that. There are people that legitimately have you know, anxieties when it comes to comes to people. And so I think at, at this point too, it's also a place for you to really lean in in faith and say, God, I know that um, that that, this, that I'm afraid. You know I'm afraid. Um, I, I, I This is very, very hard for me, and there's multiple reasons why this is. It could have been trauma from the past or trauma from a kid or, you know, whatever it is that, that you're really bent and, and, and held back on that. And, and I think it's in those moments that God can refine your heart the most and even use you the most um, because it's forcing you to lean in. I think one of the dangers is not the fear piece. The danger is actually when we are overly confident. I think overly confident says, God, I don't need you. Fear and anxiety says, God, I have to have you. And so I think if you can see it that way of like, I'm really leaning in um, and and prayerful about that. I mean, scripture, I don't know if we can pull it up here, but uh, Philippians 4, um, I think it's verse 6, talks very specifically about really fear and anxiety. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your 
Graciousness, graciousness be known to everyone, the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so I, I think you, we have a really cool opportunity here um, to look at this and go, okay, anxiety's real, fear's real, um, but in the midst of that, what does the text call us to do? The text calls us to uh, present it to the Lord through prayer and petition. And, and what I love is through thanksgiving. And if you notice, there's rejoice, rejoice, thanksgiving, and, and all of that in there. And I think what, what the text has shown us is that God has given us thanksgiving or gratitude as a tool to combat anxiety and fear. And so we're able to, through through prayer, go, God, I, I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for um, your peace. And we're reminded of what we do have versus what we don't have and what we're afraid of. Um, and I think in those moments, we get to see the uh, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's good. And so when it comes to, I guess, serving in the local church, I mean, there is this fact of gratitude for the local church that should drive you to that, to being able to serve, but also like praying. And then on a, on a kind of more practical level as well, when it comes to like the act of taking the first step, I think that uh, one of the ways to do that is just starting small, right? Like you yeah, don't need for to, sure. you don't need to. <clears throat> always ask you to stand up and preach on Sunday. Right. Right. Like, um, when it comes, I think people maybe psych themselves out, um, about what it looks like and you can take a small step of faith and then see how that develops. Yeah. Part of that is like, what is the need in the church? Right. And say yes to it. And, and there's, there are needs in every church that are also not like super front facing, um, where you can kind of sit quietly or be, you know, on the side and like really do some key things within the life of the church through production or planning or um, volunteer management. Like there's a ton of ways to be able to put your yes on the table. And I think sometimes to your point, it's paralysis of analysis. We suck ourselves out like, man, this is going to be something that's that's scary. Um, at the same time, I do think there's this element of pressing into areas that that in in uh in, in places in us that do scare us like fears and anxieties, I think there's something to pressing into that um and saying I don't want to be controlled by this. I know it's there. Yeah, <clears throat> I understand it's a reality. I'm not negating that, but but I don't want to be controlled by yeah. it either. And I think oftentimes we can take those two, especially the hot word of anxiety and and then even fear, and we can actually allow those things to dictate our life more than Christ. And I think that's where the rub and the problem comes in to go, man. I don't want to be controlled by those things. Um, yeah. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world, right? Like we have the power through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> in fact, I think about, um, you know, Timothy, when um, Paul talks about, it seems like Timothy may have struggled with fear because Paul calls him to remember the time when they laid hands on him on the beach and declared courage over him. Right. And as he was going to go plant a church. And so I do think there's this, this reminder that we have to have that in some ways fear and anxiety can be a tool that reminds us of the confidence that we have in Christ and that we can only find in Christ. And and it really takes us back to that identity and helps us move forward through that and not, because, man, I've watched people use that as a crutch for long periods throughout their life, and, and I've watched them have trouble growing spiritually, trouble building relationships. Uh, again, not I'm not knocking that or, or negating the reality of those things, but I'm saying when, when they control you and you have the inability to live sacrificially or, or press in there, I mean, it's just, it, it's a really challenging place to be yeah i think uh you the the common moniker of you know fear and anxiety are good um like emotions are good check warning lights but terrible drivers Um, yeah and so i think that going back to what you said earlier the idea that like we you have to be contemplative on whether or not your fear and anxiety for serving in the church is maybe just um disguised approval of man fear or disguised fear of failure fear of, you know, um, not being good enough or, or not, um, not living up to a certain standard. And all of that is not 
not what serving in a church is about. No, and I mean, I think another great example is you think about Moses, right? I mean, of all people, you know, God comes to him in a burning bush. Like, we're, we're not talking about, you know, hey, you should serve on Sundays kind of thing, but yeah. it's like a burning bush, the Lord of hosts, you know, and yeah. the, the bush isn't burning up. And it's like, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground, okay? Track with me. Then he's like, you're going to be my messenger. And Moses is like, but you don't understand. Yeah. I can't speak. I'm tongue-tied. Like, I, I can't even get over my words. Like, I don't know how to speak well, and I don't know how to, right? And and it's almost like you're in that moment going, really? Really? And and God says kind of the same thing. He's like, you know, take your staff, throw it on the ground. And he proves to him who he is, and he says, I'm going to go before you. And so I do think we see in Moses of a natural disposition of us is to go, I mean, God, I don't know if I can do this. And I think in those moments, God's calling us, trust me. Because it's ultimately not not you, it's going to be me through you. Yeah. And you'll find the ability and the confidence through leaning in on me. And that's what we see with Moses. Moses is arguably one of the greatest leaders in the entire Bible that led literally millions of people, right? And so, but what we saw is a, a really scared young man that that had to had no other choice but to put his faith and trust in God, and God continued to show up in his life, and it allowed him to continue to grow in confidence. But if he would have stopped and stayed in that place... I mean, who knows what Moses would have looked like after that? Yeah, that's really good. And that kind of, once again, perfect segue into kind of the, the last question for today. And that is when it comes to the the walking in faith, and you're talking about your Christian life walking in faith, how, like, uh, listener question is basically, uh, you know, I, I wake up some days on fire for, for the Lord, but then the next day it, it's all gone. And it just kind of feels like I'm in this cycle of being on fire, not on fire, and not like, where do you go from there? What do you do to fix that? It, like, how do you combat that? How do you, um, how do you continue in faith um, over a longer span of time as opposed to these kind of highs and lows? Um, and so, kind of goes to that of like acts of faith uh, is is one of those those kind of monikers of of how to do that. But I'm curious of what you would say for that person that says, you know, I wake up some days on fire, the next day I'm not, and like I don't know what to do. Yeah. One, welcome to the Christian life. Um, be encouraged. We all struggle with that. Yeah. You know, that's not, you're not broken. You're not abnormal. Like, um, it's very typical in the life of a Christian to go in these ebb and flows. In some ways, you know, I've always kind of said that it's almost like, you know, w- when you got the, the, the ebb and flows are so deep and wide, we almost want to try to see them playing out more. That's the hope, you know, with the only common denominator being the gospel at the center that can bring some stability for us. So it is, it's, it's a very hard challenge. I've been there. You've been there. I'm sure like, uh, you know, probably every listener has been there. Yeah. And I think the one of the things we got to go back to is understand um, that that in some ways that is part of the Christian life because we are sinful, we're prone to wonder, you know, we don't wake up in the mornings just excited to be like, I cannot wait to be at the feet of Jesus, you know, um, it, oftentimes. Now, sometimes we do, and, and, you know, there's that, but I think for us, that's why we got to remind ourselves um, in, in, in those moments, number one, we're human, and it's why we need a Savior. Um, I think it's it really humanizes us. I heard a guy one time talk about this. He was like, man, I used to get so frustrated when I'd pray and I'd get distracted, you know, five minutes in or I'd fall asleep or I'd, and he said, I started to embrace it, realizing it it really shows my humanity um, and how much I'm not God and how much I need a savior. I can't even pray for five minutes without yeah. getting distracted. That's how much I need a savior. And it directed his eyes to Jesus. Yeah, that's good. So I think there's one part of that just going like, man, it really humanizes us. Um, and then it also reminds us that the, the goal is is not perfection the the goal is the pursuit of christ and it is a process and it is hard and it's a journey that we all go on and so 
in those moments, you want to fix your eyes on Christ because we know that it's a it's a journey and um, it, it is work. And, and it's why Paul says, you know, I, I, I box my body and make it my slave. And he says, I press on to win the prize, which is laid ahead of me in Christ Jesus. I think you even see it in him, um, th- this tendency of these these highs and lows. And I think if we can remember um, that those highs and lows don't don't dictate who we are. Um, they just remind us of how much we need Christ. Then in those moments, we can actually find ourselves in a place of worship that we're saying, God, thank thank you that you're not viewing me based off of these ebb and flows. Like God doesn't look down and go like, oh, man, you know, Mike's really struggling. He's been highs and lows this week. I just, man, I'm frustrated with him. He looks at me and says, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased, not because of what you've done, but because of your faith in what Christ has done for you. And so I think these ebb and flows of the Christian life can be really confusing because it does feel like, man, I just, I feel like I can't get jumpstarted and I can't go. And, and and so on one hand, it's embracing that reality of going, these things don't define me. Christ does, and it is a journey. It's called sanctification, growing in what the gospel means. That said, I think some ways that we can press in, because like I said earlier, the goal is if we start like this, you know, almost like a, you know, on the scale of, a, of an earthquake, you know, um, we want to see it kind of you know, playing out as much as possible until Christ returns and makes us new. There are some things that the Bible gives us to help us in 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 that regard, and I think a couple of them are obviously the local church that we've been talking about, yeah. and being involved in the local church, um, serving in the local church. You know, really, all these things kind of fit together and culminate into this question of being a part of a local church, serving in a local church. I think what happens where I've seen people that 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 operate in these highs and lows so frequently. If you were to go and ask them, like, how consistent are you at a church gathering on the weekend? Most of the time, nine times out of ten, they're they're not. They're very inconsistent. Yeah. And so what happens often in these big highs and big lows is that you have a person that's very inconsistent on their spiritual rhythms. And you can't expect to just be on fire for Jesus if you're never around the the people of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. Because yeah. the, the local church gathering is one of the—I the, mean, it's the apex of how God moves— and, and what God does in, in and among creation um, in, in, in the world. And so I, I do think there's tools that he's given us as far as the local church, being at the gathering, sitting under the Word of God, being around the people of God. Are you in community and life-on-life relationships with other people who can fan the flame of your faith? Um, prayer's another one. Praying and asking the Lord. I just <clears throat> did a series through Ephesians 1, and and one of the things we talked about is what Paul prays for the church, and he prays that that we would experience God, what it what it means to, to know who he is and what he's done for us, and that, that God would open the eyes of our heart and take us deeper into what it means to be God's inheritance and experience the transforming power of God. Um, I think prayers is the tool in so many ways of saying, God, would you do in me what I can't do? I can't ultimately cultivate consistency, but I can put myself in position to experience more of you, and then you can work in and through that process um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think leaning into those tools that God's given us is a way that you can combat the the inconsistencies. But inevitably, you're going to find yourself in a, in a rut or in a season that's hard or challenging, and it's in those moments that you've got to reorient and remind yourself. You can't allow yourself, and this is what often happens as well, is they you know people are doing pretty well, and they have this low moment, and it's like, boom, and they isolate. Yeah, and isolation's never helpful. Right, you've got to lean in in those moments and go. You know what? Oh man, I've I, I've hit a low low in my life. I'm frustrated. I've wanted yep. to give up. Whatever. I'm going to lean into the tools that God's given. I'm going to run to the local church. I'm going to fall on my knees in prayer. I'm going to open up God's word even if I don't want to because I know that there's life in these things and that God has purposed all of these tools for the sake of helping me know what it means to experience him and walk in the things of him so ultimately we don't have all these inconsistencies in our life. Yeah, that's a really good answer. And I think that it goes hand in hand with the idea of our podcast, right? Live Beyond Sunday. But part of that is you still have to be at the gathering and be in community during the week. 
Um, it reminds me of the the time you gave the sermon illustration that about the Christian life, where it's like you could walk across the room, and that's like a a, a visual for the Christian life. Sometimes you're gonna be walking, sometimes you're gonna be running, sometimes you're gonna be crawling, sometimes you're just gonna be like trying not to fall backwards and scooting yeah. forward. But the the whole goal of the Christian life is to continu- continually move forward in some way. Yeah. Um, and I think people get caught up on this idea that I always have to be sprinting. Right. But Paul right. describes it as a a marathon, not a sprint. He does very much so. And and the other part of that uh, illustration is that in none of that it, was there ever a question of the direction that you're headed. Right. You know, and it's like as you're as you're moving, whatever pace you're moving at, it's clear that your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Yeah. And I think if we could be refreshed by that reality. Uh, it would be really, really helpful in the process and not putting the pressure on ourselves to be perfect or do everything. Or I mean, that, that's why Jesus came is because we're imperfect and we're broken. Yeah, that's really good. And so for those of you watching, for those of you listening, thank you so much. We really appreciate the support. Pastor Mike, thank you for answering these listener questions. Yeah, I love doing these. Yeah, if you have any listener questions, feel free to email those to us at pastormike at imageatl.com. Uh, we put these out every other week. And so we enjoy doing them and putting out these resources to hopefully help help you continue to live the Christian life so with that being said uh, for those of you watching and for those of you listening we want to continue to challenge you to live beyond sunday